So can we pray? It's always helpful, isn't it? You look really serious, I'm now even more nervous. Let's pray, because we just need a little bit of something from God to help us in these things. So, Father, we ask you, as like children, we ask you, please reveal something in your heart as we share together. Because we don't want nice talks. God, I don't have the nice talk, but I ask you somehow that your Holy Spirit open something up for us that we're born for. God, cause us to feel wooed by you, not coming under another set of rules. Please touch us tonight. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you, Holy Spirit. And we ask you. Amen. So, um, worship. What do you think of when you hear the word worship? Um, what goes through your what image goes through your mind? Because it's interesting to know what we do think when we use that word, whether it's this, which is really good, by the way. Really love tonight. Is it this? Like Sunday five o'clock, you know, band and or do you see a big choir or do you uh, what do you think of when you think about worship? And don't you dread the possibility that you've got to sit on a cloud for eternity plucking a harp? I, I just, I'm sorry, but I dread that thought. It just feels like boring. I'm sorry, guys. So, so I want to try and, you know, um, I want to try and sort of just unpack a little bit about what goes on in worship. You know, is, is, is God a sort of slightly insecure sovereign being who desperately wants millions to bow down and worship him so he feels a bit better? Could that be it? I call you to worship, worship me, I want my people to worship me, and you kind of go, yes, I guess you need it, or we should do, or I don't think that can be the heartbeat of the God we know, can it? So I try to get to the heart of, well, what, why do we? And I'm thinking about, you know, when someone, when someone dearly, deeply, affectionately loves me, and I know they do, something in me wants to respond back with love, because love is infectious. You, you, you know, so it, it, I kind of, I don't, oh, that's nice, no, no, something, because love is when, when love comes into your heart, you have to respond in some way because it's the nature of perfect love. You, you just have to kind of, like a Sue, I love to be, so she says, I love you. I, I don't just say I love you too, because she knows that's kind of like the standard answer. But it's, but it's something in uh, affection, I, yeah, and I love you too, I really do. In other words, there's something in our hearts when we come across his extraordinary love for us that feels like I really want to express back to you and I love you too, Lord. And I wonder whether there's something more in that that he's looking for a relational love that of course he's sovereign that we worship but there's something else that he absolutely joyfully enjoys is when we love him back. Does that make sense? And so I'm thinking about the woman who you know well there's about three different accounts the woman in Bethany, who, when Jesus is in a house, and she comes in, if you remember, with the 
Um, alabaster box? Help me. Jar, thank you. Not a box, you can't have alabaster. Okay, help me, please. Alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, and Jesus is reclining, and she's a sinful woman in, in the Luke's account. She's a sinful woman, and so everything within her could have carried shame, but somehow she's been so, so caught with the outrageous affection of Jesus that she comes in with this alabaster jar, she breaks it of expensive perfume, and she just pours it all over his head and all over him. And one of the accounts was, you know, she washes his feet with her hair. And there's criticism because, you know, this is ridiculous, this money could have been given to the poor, you know, the kind of religiousness that stopped extravagant expression. Religiousness says, these are the rules, you better keep them. Deeply touched hearts can't be stopped from saying, I've got to express it, I've got to express it. This sinful woman has been forgiven, cleansed, touched by love, and it's like she comes in and she is extravagant. How many know sometimes worship is very costly because I'm gathering up every bit of my heart from all the other stuff and I'm saying, I, Jesus, I, I want to give you the best. I really do. It's a really moving story because he says somewhere, the story about this woman is going to be told wherever the gospel is preached until he comes back. And here we are talking about it tonight. Do you understand? There's something about it that caught God's heart that this woman would just be extravagant and costly. My kind of prayer, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm not really, my kind of prayer is, God, please deliver us from religious duty and awaken a passion that's unstoppable so when we worship, heaven is just delighted. When you like that, let's be here tonight. I, I love tonight. And can I say, by the way, I actually believe this is who we are called to, not something we ought to try and do better. It's innate for his children, the sinful woman, to say, Jesus, I'm just getting crazy about you and I want to tell you again. Now, I'm not always like that, but I think it's where we head to as a bride that he's longing to marry. Should we go to John 4? You look really excited. Should we go to John 4? I'm, I'm going to do this from what you're meant to do now. You're always meant to read from the Passion Translation because that's what people do. So I'm going to do it. I know. Okay, this is the Passion Translation. I'm jumping into John 4. I think you know the story, the woman of the well. And this is what it says. Uh, Jesus responds to the woman and says, Believe me. You need to hear the affection in Jesus' voice. Believe me, dear woman. The time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain, nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. That was radical, guys. This is the end of the Old Testament where there was all sorts of ways of worshipping. And, and, and Jesus is looking into this woman and saying, Do you know what, love? There's going to come a time when you're going to worship from your heart. And then he says, We Jews worship out of our experience. Careful experience. I wouldn't be. If you experience the love of God, boy, we Jews worship from our experience. Then he says, from here on, worshipping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, hello, but with the right heart. 
So he's shifting the Old Covenant, the Old Testament ways of worshiping. He's saying, we have done it this way, but as the New Covenant breaks loose and the cross happens, there's going to come a shift where people will worship with their hearts. For God is spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshippers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and the truth. Now I know it's a mouthful, but can I suggest to you, Jesus is actually giving a glimpse of the longing of our Father. He's looking for those, which means it really doesn't matter where it is, does it? He's kind of saying, do you know what the venue doesn't matter? Oh, do you know what, how you do it doesn't matter? Oh, do you know what, I don't care whether it's ritual or non-ritual, liturgy, what's it called, liturgy, isn't it, or non-liturgy, it's not of no interest what he is, I'm just quieting down, what he's really, 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 the Father's yearning for is, that give devotion to me that is so deeply from their hearts it's true for what they really want to express. Do you, is this, do you agree? Yeah. Well, you have to because it's in the Bible, okay? It's just like... But, 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 you understand? So he's shifting because some worshippers got such a focus on how and where and what we do and I think God is just disinterested. He's just looking for hearts of love that have got awakened and want to express it. What a relief. You know, when I was a kid, how long have I got? Was it two hours? Yeah, very good. When I was a kid, I used to sing in a very well-known cathedral, which I'm very proud of because it pleases Tim. <laughs> and uh, I sang in this cathedral as a kid and, and it, it was... Actually, it was Canterbury. Okay, you pleased? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Sarah. So I sang in Canterbury and we sang to the highest possible standard of music you could ever do. Trust me, we were absolutely trained to the core to sing in the most excellent way, in the most beautiful building, with people in the most incredible, what do you call them, gowns or something they had on? Robes. Thank you, Mary. Robes. And, and, and it was all fabulous looking. And we sang psalms, and we sang anthems, and other stuff, motets, and all the stuff that you guys know about, Joel. Okay? We sang all that, but I never, ever, ever knew Jesus whatsoever. It was simply, we are performing in the most glorious way, religious Christian stuff. But I didn't know how many people actually knew Jesus. And it's a bit shocking to me when Jesus turns to the Pharisees in Matthew, if you remember, and he says, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts, I feel a bit tender about it, are far from me. Their worship is in vain. I can go, oh, ouch. God, I don't want to become like that. Do you? Do you? The grief isn't you bad things. You should know how to worship. The grief is his father is everywhere looking for someone. Can we have free will love? Because I called you to be lovers first, not duty bound. You know, religious people. Do you understand? So, so the grief of Jesus is doing all this stuff, but their hearts are far from me. My soul wanted to find some hearts that truly were moved with such a love they couldn't wait to tell me again. And so I found sometimes in my journey, honestly, you know, I've, we've been in the city and I've been to thousands of worship times and 
I love it. I really do. I really, really do. Hear me. And I love this. But sometimes I've realized my heart has actually been quite just doing it. That's what we do. And it's okay, isn't it? Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've got a bit kind of jaded and actually bored. Help me, Holy Spirit. Kindle again. Kindle again a, a heart that just beats with a longing. A Nesra, I'll shut up for a moment until he kindles it so it's in spirit and truth and not in this is what we do. Does that make sense? I'm confessing, okay? I'm not beating you. I'm confessing, God, I do want the heart that beats with genuine love for you. But I need rather cry out, please, awaken again inside me. So, um, I want to just explore two aspects of worship. It, it just for, it's probably 11 minutes. People always give you promises with a microphone they rarely keep. So we'll try, okay? I want to talk about personal worship and I want to talk about corporate worship. Just briefly, okay? So here's a couple of things about personal worship. I want to suggest to you this is only a summation of whatever really happens in my daily life. Otherwise we're turning up for a service, aren't we? If we, we did it, you know, sang six songs and sacrificed the dog and went home. It is good. Okay? If there's not something going on in my personal life, this is a little bit like, okay, it's good, but you know. So personally, here's two things I want to just check out. Number one is, I think as regards worship, remembering the power of the blood of Jesus that has completely washed you clean. Remembering, therefore, there is no condemnation whatsoever resting on your life. Gives you a strange freedom to worship personally that you must always remember. That's what Jesus won, with there's no condemnation. Otherwise, there's a kind of, yikes, how have I done? It hasn't been very good recently. Maybe I better not try. Maybe I'll turn away. No, no, you have to remember everything to do with worship is through the blood of Jesus. Do you know that great old hymn? Most you too young to know the old hymn. You're too young. Okay, find someone. You know, has it go, Mark? Um, <laughs> yes. No condemnation now, I pray. Jesus. Okay, good, stop. Sing it, Mark. No, don't, don't, don't. don't. <laughs> but, but there's these old hymns that were just powerfully saying, do you know what? Bold, I approach the throne of God and Jesus and all that's his is mine. And they sang these rich truths with such joy because they knew they were free of having to be a little bit nervous of getting too close. So in worship for me, it's crucial. I remember the shame, the sin, has all been dealt with. Now I can run boldly to him. Yeah? Secondly, there's this other aspect about personal worship, which I don't know how you, you know, it'd be nice to hear your experiences, you can share them a little bit, but for me, I've tried to develop a practice. It's probably in the book as well, which may be where I got it from. I tried to develop a practice where throughout the day, this may sound a bit strange, I have an internal way of saying, every, as much as I can remember, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you. I love you. I try and stop. I don't always manage to, but you 
know, like just in the car or wherever I am. It's just a momentary leaning in to remember he's the centre of it all. And saying, I love you, actually kindles this weird, I'm home with you. And I recommend to you, however you do it, I don't know what you'll practice, I recommend a continuous practice of internally just occasionally throwing that adoration Jesus. Even just saying his name sometimes we have a bum of the day. Just saying his name and that sounds strange. Oh my goodness, the love of my soul is very close. I love you, Jesus. A glance. Just a glance. Do you know the Song of Solomon? I cannot remember the verse very well. The Song of Solomon says something like this. You have stolen my heart. This is Jesus speaking. You've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. Well, no, it takes a lot more than that to get Jesus. No, no, I, I honestly think he's just kind of like caught by even the slightest effort in your day to throw a glance and say, I love you, Jesus. I love you. You kind of go, ah. What is that? It's an inner world of worship and devotion to the one who thinks the world of you. Do you know, how can I be king of Israel? Well, how was I be king of Israel? That's a silly question. Imagine being king of Israel. Imagine being the king of the whole of the Old Testament um, kingdom of Israel. You are the king, and someone says to you, what's the thing you most want? What's the thing you most want? Well, I'd like 20 more advice, I'd like a bigger army, I'd like... David in Psalm 27, I think. But he said, it's the most extraordinary, I cannot understand it. He says, one thing have I desired. What is it, David? What is it? What do you want? I'd like to beat my enemies' backsides to pieces. No, what is it? One thing I have desired. This is what I've asked for. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What for? Say it, Tom. Is that you saying it, Tom? Yes, say it, Tom, out now. To get. Whoa, 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 whoa. To what? To gaze, stop, Carol. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Oh, David, you're kidding, man. You've got an empire to run. What is it in King David that made him a man after God's heart? He was a worshipper. He couldn't stop this insatiable desire, despite all of his responsibilities. One thing, one thing, one thing, I desire. I could gaze. God, I prayed so many times, Lord, please mess my heart up with a glimpse of you that just wrecks me. So that I'm caught with eternal sight that makes me a lover of you. Okay, that's the personal bit. Can I encourage you just daily? Maybe this week you just set up a little inner, a little inner glance. Doesn't have to be okay. I'm going to stop off for two minutes. Bang now. It's, it's just the inner world of spirit and truth. You were born for that, guys. You will find the Holy Spirit. Just help me, Holy Spirit. Help me today. Even three times is better than none, isn't it? Next day is four times. You think, oh, I quite like this in the car. I'm a bit stressed and. Okay, corporate. 
corporate worship. I, I want to suggest to you um, that getting together physically as his people to worship him has a strange mystery because we engage with the Trinity themselves and we're caught in a, I don't know how to express this to maybe you but there's something mysteriously beautiful about his people, his bride, worshipping together and the Trinity saying, and we surround you too, and there's the mystery of the dance of heaven and earth together. I want to suggest there's actually a profound mystery about corporate lovers with heaven and saying we love you together. I don't understand it. I love it. All my life I've loved the moments when suddenly you... And here's the other thing you may find when we're together there's an extraordinary oneness sweeps through us as his family because we're now beholding the beauty of the Trinity with us together. Don't you think that's extraordinary? And the oneness is you come look at each other and you think, I don't know what it is, I love you, I love his family, I love his people. That's the mystery of corporate worship as we behold him together. There's a couple of other things about corporate worship as they come to me. I think God is dealing with celebrity worship which he hates. I think he's dealing with stage, show, forgive me, YouTube worship is not the same as this. Look at me, it is not the same as this. I love it, I listen to YouTube worship, sometimes it helps me a bit, sometimes it's listening to sort of sanctified radio, but do you know what, and I honour it please, but there's something I've thought of, it can never place this. It can never do what this is because there's a mystery of his people together in absolute adoration that I think causes joy in heaven that no YouTube can ever do. And if God has to deal with celebrity, show, big bands, excellence, please let him do it because it will return lovers back before the throne of heaven. Do you understand? Is that okay? Because honestly, this, and I'm going to want to tell him so, because these guys, you don't realize, maybe you do, So these guys carry an unusual, beautiful heart to bring God's people into worship. And the lack of show, and the lack of celeb, and the lack of glitz, I, I, I'm just so grateful because we have to fight for that no-show if we're going to be the bride he wants. This is a bit of an appeal, okay, because you, you understand what happens. The bigger something gets, the more glitz, the more excellence. So how good the musicians are, those fantastic musicians. And, and suddenly there's no sense of God's presence because he's not here for a show. Did you understand that? I, okay, I think I had my say on that. I also want to suggest that that I finish. I want to suggest that um, there should be a freedom there together. There should be a freedom to express things as we really want to. Sorry. It says, will you please finish soon? Did you put that on there? You, you, he's actually giving me the notes over here. Can, can I just finish?
you mind, just, I just want to say this really clearly. I honestly think there should be a freedom to be expressive as worshippers, not a conformity to this is how we do it. Now hear me carefully, I don't mean we should be crazy. I've seen crazy, it's a bit embarrassing. But I do believe the freedom to be expressive means every now and then I check myself. I don't want to just sing a song while my mind's on what I'm going to watch on Netflix tonight. I don't. That's not love. And I, sometimes I just stop and think, I'm just singing a song and my heart isn't truly engaging with the love of my soul. And I'll just stop and think, I'm going to sing for a minute. I'm going to make sure I just, Jesus, it's about you, so I'm stopping so I connect with you again. Do you understand? And then sometimes I think we should be allowed to worship. I know you've encouraged it in every way. Some people, they just want to be still and gaze. Some people want to be prostrate and just get on the ground. Don't you think we should be free to do that? This is not about what you think of me or I think of you. This is about what he thinks of my heart. And sometimes I think, all right, I get the message, I'm coming. Some, please hear me. Sometimes I think we can get too conformed to all, this is how we do it, so I better not bust out. But do you understand? And it takes somebody to say, I'm not going to be showy. Do you know, we were in a big building soon last week, in a big meeting, and um, there was only one guitarist in the meeting. I thought the band wasn't there. So there's this guy who lives with a guitar with, I don't know, 400 people, whatever. And he gets up, and I tell you what, I went to heaven with a simple guitar to just love Jesus. Remember that? And then in the middle of it all, this girl got up to dance. And I hate cranky dancing. I really get like scared, you know. She just danced before the Lord in the most beautiful way. And I know that she would never do show. She couldn't stop herself. I've got to dance in my worship. So, so I think our freedom to be expressive and not English is a really big deal. Because otherwise we get odd, don't we? Okay, this is what we do. And I know that's your heart, you guys. I just want to say, hey, I think we should be expressive. Some people sing loudly. Some people like to be still. Some people like to sit the So intimacy does become over-familiar. 